It's time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned, though, smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. Welcome back to Market Radio. Going Nitro. Episode 40 for June 17, 1996, out of the Richmond Coliseum, Richmond, Virginia. Hosted by Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. No Eric Bischoff. Why? <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love it when people I don't like take a bump, but this is fantastic. All right, so. Tonight, there's 56,300, or sorry, 5,638 in attendance. Uh, no idea how many people paid to be there. Uh, the venue can hold almost 12,000, so even using one half of the arena isn't uh, going to be filling at the capacity. It looks really good in shots, though, so let's see if Hairdo claims or asks somebody to claim if it's a sellout. Oh, wait, that's right. You got Jackhammer powerbomb through the set last night at the American Bash pay-per-view. Um... Yeah, I mean, he got dropped through a heavily worked set piece um, after he gave the outsiders exactly what they asked for but wouldn't tell them who they were going to face yet. So, you know, that always makes sense. Um, overall, bash number one was okay. A solid three and a half out of five. Highlights for me were Regal and Sting, uh, the crazy stiff Sullivan-Benoit match, the Malenko-Mysterio match, even though the promos building up to that one were fucking baffling. And, of course, DDP has continued push. This week, Nitro wins the ratings war with 3.4 to Raw's 2.3, blowing him out of the water. And this is the start of the infamous 83 weeks. The B announcing team is on the main set and recapping last night's pay-per-view and the nameless thugs who attacked Bischoff. (gasps) Dark match tonight was the United States heavyweight title match, Conan defeating Jim Powers. And then we get right into the live show. Rick Steiner defeats Stevie Ray in 2 minutes, 14 seconds. I give that one 3 out of 5. A solid wrestling match. Weird pin, though. Um, post-match, Booker comes out and lays out Rick. Um, then there's a beatdown on Rick for a while, and Scotty takes forever to get out there uh, to take a top rope shot for Booker T uh, to really sort of build the feud between the two tag teams. And at the end of this, there's a 1-800-collect recap of the pin instead of getting to see the signers writhing in pain and, uh, you know, Harlem Heat celebrating. I <laughs> Listen... I understand that there's subtle <laughs> ways that they fuck over wrestlers, uh, including, listen, including uh, black people. Let's not turn this into a white or black thing. They do this to everyone, all right? They, they believe me, they do it to everyone. We're coming for you, nigga! Okay, that was unnecessary. All right, got a commercial break with the American males teasing. No, no, don't, don't, because you know what happens every time you put this on? We get in trouble from YouTube. No one else seems to have a problem with it, by the way. Every other platform, totally cool. YouTube, apparently there's a beef with this. They turn that shit down, right? I don't, I don't, it's, it's not even their match yet. It's just a teaser, all right? It's a teaser for a match that comes up much later. Turn that off. All right, thank you. All right, after the uh, break, we get Go- Joe Gomez in his Nitro debut, defeating Disco Inferno. Of course he did. In 3 minutes, 22 seconds, a one and a half out of five. It's not that I don't like Disco. I like Disco. As a matter of fact, he does a pre-match promo, putting over his dancing, and then asking for the production team to play his music. 
and they play Joe Gomez's intro music, which, by the way, is not exciting at all. And all I could think of as he came out to the ring was, holy fuck, this looks like a beefy Sebastian Bach. Ultimately, this is a forgettable match, which is a shame because this is Gomez's Nitro debut. After this, you get a Gene Flair promo with Deborah, woman, and Liz. Liz is, of course, high as a kite. Deborah's pretty good considering she's never had promo training. And speaking of professionals, woman is, again, playing with Gene's tie and suit. He swats her hand away with the microphone that Flair is now speaking into. Fuck's sakes. He must have had a couple scotches before this, too. After that, you get Anderson and Benoit defeating the American Males. It, it, don't do... No, because... Stop. It's... I'm going to turn you down. Is what's going to happen. Production Boy is getting turned down now. <laughs> oh, yeah. You want to leave it on the back? Fine. I'll leave it on the background while I talk about the match. Whatever. Mark, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs in 5 minutes, 47 seconds. I gave the one four and a half out of 5. Benoit's got one hell of a bruise to his right temple. I wonder if this is his first concussion. See, this would have been a place to put, like, you know, a little tease, like a little swipe at it. You know, like you're a mark or all right or something or a buzz. But no, we're playing the American Males theme. Thanks, production boy. See, you get these scripts before we go on the air, right? Okay. Anyways, Benoit... uh, did legit get a concussion last night and of course he's gonna wrestle tonight too but he's not gonna wrestle as much as uh anderson will carry most of the match for the team there's a horny housewife that tried to get touched by the males during their entrance um i was kind of curious to see if they would play to her during the match uh lord knows that she was eyes glued on each one of their asses because their ring corner was like right in front of her face um, I couldn't figure out which one was her husband. I, I thought it was the guy that was standing and cheering, but it was the guy that was sitting the entire time. There's a guy to her left that is sitting the whole fucking show, just sitting there the whole show. So I don't know if there's, tr- <laughs> if there's trouble in paradise, if this was her idea to come to watch the half-naked men wrestle, but I'm not going to judge because I'm a straight white male watching scanty-clad men grab each other. So whatever. Anyways... Um, Bagwell and Benoit wrestling each other was nothing short of impressive. Um, there's a very nice fisherman suplex from Bagwell onto Anderson. He's got nothing on Hennig, but it is very well performed. Anderson works the crowd like a fucking savant and cheats perfectly right in front of the ref without the ref even trying to look up. So, of course, it wasn't McPatrick. And the story here made sense. The males don't like how the horsemen conduct business. The horsemen will take out all comers, especially now they're at full force again. There's no long feud here, just a match that makes sense and doesn't take a huge amount of production and time to make it matter in the context of the show. So you know that uh, Sullivan probably had nothing to do with this. Post-match, you get a Gene Anderson Benoit promo in the ring. Anderson's first line gave me a chill. I just... You are a big mark. Thank you. I understand that. I'm saying it was good. It was a good first line. Um, again, Anderson is a goddamn master on the stick. Benoit did very, very well as as well. It's just, um, it, listen, it's still early in his career. He's not up to Anderson's standards yet, but it wasn't bad at all. Got a commercial break with a taunt, uh, John Tenta teaser. Um, I'm actually enjoying these teasers. I know they're a grittier version of what WWF did back in the 80s, but it's still satisfying. It let, lets viewers know what's, what's coming up while promoting the match and building a little bit of suspense. I, I, it's weird. I, I like it. I, I don't know what to tell you. I do. Sue me. 
Uh, after this, we get Jen Tenta coming back from break, defeating Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart at his side in four minutes, 41 seconds. I gave that one two out of five. Tenta performs a dropkick, sort of. Still, props for a 400-plus pounder guy doing a dropkick of any kind. Uh, the feud here shall go on, with Bubba and Patrick humping each other for a bit while Hart takes a bump from Tenta. Post-match, Bubba uses a sock of coins to knock Tenta out, which is objectively funny. Uh, post-match, Gene, Hart, and Bubba promo. Bubba can still cut a promo without even spinning a nightstick around in his hands. They get a commercial break after that, followed by Gene and Savage promo. Now, years and years ago, I raced cars. I had to find unique colors to set mine apart from others. I chose purple and pink. Why? Because no one else is going to use purple and pink. Not amongst a bunch of racing guys. Here's Macho, though, proving me wrong. Looking awesome doing it, by the way. Savage, uh, over the years, has been very candid about his workout, nutrition, and steroid use. And while he was out of the ring for this last five, six weeks, it was partially to finish healing his elbow. But it was also starting a new steroid regime as part of his physical therapy. Now, around late 95, there's a whole new science around steroids. And while some combinations would lead to enlarged hearts and cardiovascular damage, Savage's regime actually extended his career. Bischoff was discussing retirement with Savage, as the WWF had, for most of early 96. The feud of Flair was designed to resurrect Savage's career, and Flair was 100% behind it, both on and off camera. So leading after this was, of course, Ric Flair with Deborah, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman defeating Randy Savage in 12 minutes, 46 seconds. That one I gave four and a half out of five. Now, I only hesitate because I know I'm going to get shit for being a Savage Mark. And granted, I am a Savage Mark, but I will bury a guy when he deserves it. This is actually really good. Uh, Savage wants Heenan to be at ringside, so while the two-hour fireworks, while the hour two fireworks were going off, he went out to chase Heenan down to the ring. He even got up over the top rope very quickly and well for an old fat guy. And Shivani and him, well, Shivani won't have to fence with two heel commentators for a bit until Zabisco left quietly during the match as Hina makes his way back to the commentating position. Shivani calls Deborah, Woman, and Liz the three witches of Eastwick. Oh, jeez. Oh, right. The 90s really were a different time. He doesn't do it once or twice. He does it like three or four times. Um, Rick does a pre-match promo with a microphone in the ring. Savage, or sorry. His was outside of the ring. Savage was in the ring. Savage's response will get Turner yet another FCC fine for telling Flair that he's just going to straight up kick his ass. Benoit does a run in towards the end of this match, gets a pile driver for his efforts. Anderson gets punched and tossed over the top rope. Mongo, though, nails Savage with the briefcase while he's pinning Flair. Then he puts Flair on top of Savage while Anderson tosses the ref into the ring for the one, two, three. Post-match, there is a beatdown of Savage, and the feud continues. Awesome match, and the feud is finally being left to Flair and Savage to run it, it seems. After that, we get a locker room promo with Gene, Sullivan, Hart, and the Giants. First time the name Outsiders is being used on air. Credit went to Gene, even though this is actually a Sullivan creation. Yes, I can give credit to Sullivan when it's due. Speaking of Sullivan, he's got a nasty bruise under his right eye and the bridge of his nose. Sullivan's promo went way, way long and another one of those meandering fucking lines of bullshit. Eventually, he must have said the trigger sentence that giant was supposed to cue in on because of course you can't let giant just talk on his own yet. So giant interrupts with his lines, not wanting to be <laughs> derailed because Lord knows he's not going to remember this. And then Sullivan talked too much again to end it all off. Get a commercial break after this with a new glacier promo. I mean, 
He's got ice blue eye contacts and somehow with a, with a little spinny, I don't know what the fuck to even call that on it. I mean, I'm actually, I'm not just a little bit embarrassed. I'm really, really embarrassed how good I thought this guy was going to be. And in hindsight, oh my God, was I fucking off base. All right, after that, we get a still image recap again of the Bischoff attack and then the green Mongo horseman fallout followed by the Benoit Sullivan match where they fought into the washroom. Now, granted, this happens more often these days, but this wasn't actually the first time that it happened on American television. Now, it is the first time it happened on WCW television, but ECW did it first. Of course, we're not going to give credit to ECW. We're not even going to talk about ECW. We're just going to put ourselves over for having the first match that got into a bathroom on WCW television. I mean, there's nothing particularly wrong with that. It's just, I mean, listen, it is what it is, all right? It's just... There's a Gene Ramp promo with Mysterio. Ray's got all of the charisma of a high school stage production. Zero point zero. Now, obviously, he got better, but holy fuck, it's a good thing he can work circles around most guys because, Jesus, his promo almost put me to sleep. Speaking of sleeping, oh, God, the next match. Champion Dean Malenko defeats challenger Rey Mysterio Jr. in eight minutes, 42 seconds. I gave that one three and a half out of five, but here's what almost put me to sleep. The thrilling entrance of Dean Malenko. I mean... God damn, I get it. He's the Iceman, blah, blah, blah. But holy fuck. He's so fucking boring. <laughs> yes, even more boring than Norton. Thank you. All right. Um, we need to get rid of that sound clip. You can't tell what's going on there. Anyways, the Cruiserweight title bout is just before the main event. Fuck sakes, man. WCW or WWE doesn't even do that these days. Shivani tells us that the Outsiders will face three of the best six WCW wrestlers at the bash. Number two. With the best win-loss records. Spoilers, it's, well, it's Sting. All right. Luger. All right. And Savage? Ah. Oh, I'm pretty sure he does not have the (laughs) great win-loss record. Maybe this will be explained later by somebody with brains. All right, so uh, Malenko performs a snap powerbomb on Mysterio and his head bounces off the mat. God damn, fucking... I cringed just fucking watching this. Holy shit. Mysterio later performs a Huna Karana from the top rope to Malenko on the floor. Hey, listen, respect. That was a fucking crazy-ass move and performed flawlessly. A couple of near falls followed by an, what Shivani calls an inverted bulldog, which, of course, it wasn't. It was a reverse DDT. Or, in WCW vernacular, a scorpion death drop. Thank you, Tony Schiavone, for knowing what the fuck moves are in your own company that's a finisher of one of your fucking biggest faces. Anyways, that finishes off Mysterio for the one, two, three. Ultimately, a well-performed match, but the announcers had a lot of trouble keeping up in general, but also calling moves the correct names. We got a commercial break with a giant teaser in WCW Mag promo. Afterwards, we get our main event. The Giant with Jimmy Hart defeats Scotty Steiner in 10 minutes flat. Uh, you know what? That was actually a really good match. I gave that four out of five. Um, <laughs> it's going to be surprising that I gave it such a high score as we go through the match. But it, it was. It was a good. It was objectively. It was a good, <laughs> good match. I'm trying to laugh while I say that because it gets ridiculous. Scotty's all taped up around the ribs from the top rope axe handle. He got to the back of his head from Booker at the start of the night. 
There's a new entrance pose for the giant with green pyro. Actually, it looked kind of cool. And, uh, fuck, Nick Patrick's the ref. Get ready for a swerve, everybody. Get ready for a swerve. Your ego's more obnoxious than your name. Look, I get it. Listen, this this isn't about Nick Patrick. <laughs> We're all wrestling fans here, all right? And sometimes it's a little hard to explain why, all right? Especially when Scott tries to suplex, belly-to-back suplex giant at the beginning of the match. And it looks, well, how can I put this delicately? Um, Okay. He Harvey Weinstein the giant three fucking times with the giant legitimately screaming as Scotty thrust basically his dick into the giant's ass. Oh my god! <laughs> it's fucking. Sometimes it's really embarrassing to be a wrestling fan. All right, I mean most of the time, but sometimes it's worse than others. Uh, there is great camera work going on to this match, though, uh, especially in the corner when Giant is working over Scotty's injured ribs. We get a commercial break at this point, followed by Steiner side suplexing the Giant, and it gets a huge fucking pop, which is well-deserved, but I don't think that that huge pop would have gone over quite as good without the dick-thrusting shit at the beginning of the match. So while embarrassing, it served a, it served a purpose. It's just... I guess it probably would have looked worse if it had been a belly-to-belly, right? Anyways, Sander grabs a heavily worked wood chair, shakes off heart, and then shatters it over the giant's back while Nick Patrick is looking right at him. No disqualification. Nick Patrick, it, it's on camera. You can see Nick Patrick react to the fucking chair shot. No DQ. Giant no-sells the chair shot, which is fine. He chokeslams Steiner and he gets the one, two, three. We get a commercial break at this point with the Glacier promo uh, touting that he will be coming in July 2016. I just, oh, God. I feel like that's going to be Glacier's fucking theme song on the show. Gene Rant promo after this. Uh, He's announcing the six top WCW stars have been chosen based on their win-loss records and other considerations. These are your six. Hogan, Giant, Flair, Luger, Sting, and Savage. The championship committee, though, has chosen the three names to represent WCW at the Bash of the Beach against the Outsiders, and that is Sting, Luger, and Savage. So we do sort of get it explained. I'm not sure if it's by a person with intelligence, but we do sort of get it explained that it is other considerations. So props to Johnny on the spot who made sure that it was going we were going to be able to suspend disbelief for a while by calling it other considerations instead of just leaving it out there <laughs> saying that it's based on win-loss records listen aw tried that win-loss bullshit and it lasted for what two three weeks before the fucking internet turned on them i mean and the internet loves aw loves them and they turned on them so you got to stop with the stupid win-loss record it listen it's choreographed sport it hurts it's amazing it's still a drama. It's still a fucking soap opera. Stop it. Stop trying to make it sound and look and feel like a real fucking sporting event. It's theater. Just leave it alone. All right? Just leave it alone. Brain reminds us that during the Gulf War, we were the outsiders. And we went in and kicked some butt. So don't count the outsiders out. Now, technically, the outsiders and the NWO in general don't operate on the face-heel spectrum. Usually, commentators and interviewers treat them as invaders. And even though they're heels, 
the heel characters don't put them over unless they're part of the NWO. So, Brain's warning was actually really good for the program. I don't agree with a lot of Dirt Sheets podcasts and wrestling channels that call it a botch. I think it was done on purpose. I think the idea was to remind us that everyone views themselves as the heroes in their stories. And the outsiders, I'm sure, consider themselves the heroes in their story. And so, don't count them out, meaning the hero is not necessarily going to win, but the hero is not also not necessarily going to lose. It's supposed to breed some, oh my God, what's actually going to happen? Uh, are Luger and Sting and Savage going to be able to coexist because Savage doesn't like Luger and blah, 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 right? So the idea is to like build a little tension. So I, I really have no problem with it. I, I still totally disagree that it's a botch. I think it was done on purpose. I understand that he fucking botches things. I'm fine with that. He's done that before. It's fine. All right. Listen, I'm not the. Fr- this is not going to be the first wrestling persona that I will not say that I will say is not botching when they absolutely are botching. Okay. Whoa, whoa! Don't take your unrequited love for me out on poor Ryback. All right. <laughs> Anyways, Nitro was excellent tonight. Four and a half out of five. All night, Shivani helped build the Bash of the Beach pay per view with Zabisco and Heenan helping him along while he did it. The only time they weren't talking about at least one of the wrestlers in the ring in relation to the pay-per-view is when they were talking about the outsiders and wondering who the third man's going to be. There were a couple of matches that weren't awesome. But mostly, they did a good job of keeping the show going, not wearing out the audience, and promoting the upcoming pay-per-view. The slow build to the NWO is going well. We didn't even need the Outsiders live on this week to put over the pay-per-view match. Just some recap still images from Bischoff's bump off of the stage at the American Bash. Overall, a very satisfying Nitro. A great place to start the 83 weeks of Ratings War wins. Well, that was an abortion of a show. Should the mood take you, check out MarkOutRadio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them.